when you give a player access to everything, they have the best hitting coaches, they have the best pitching coaches, they have strength and conditioning, they have nutritionists, and now we have mental game coaches. If they have every single piece available to them and they still fail, it must mean that something is wrong with them. That is the conclusion that they draw. And in fact, the answer is just the opposite. No, there's nothing wrong with you. You just have to tap into the confidence and it's there. You just have to figure out how to unleash it. And it's a flip of a mindset. It's reframing those negative thoughts because everybody has those negative thoughts. When you realize what to do with them is when you find your superpower. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley V Training, former D1 athlete, and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well. But now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just gonna dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm going to have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are going to be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner, so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive. And that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us, learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the When the Cleats Come Off podcast. I'm here with one of my closest friends this week. Her name is Amanda Schaefer. And let me tell you what. We met on Instagram. We clicked instantly. She is now one of my closest friends in the softball world. She pitched at Concordia University from 2010 to 2014, which means she's slightly older than me. Yep, I'm pulling that card, Amanda. She competed in the NAIA Nationals in 2014. She has GPAC honors from 2012 to 2014. And now she's a working mama. She's got pitching lessons. She coaches high school softball. She's got virtual mental game programs. And like, what else do you do, Amanda? Amanda, you do absolutely everything. I'm so, so, so excited to have you on the show this week. I'm super pumped to be here. This has been a long time coming. I'm so excited to be on and I cannot wait to talk to these parents and players. Uh, we're going to have a blast. This is literally going to just be one of our, we used to have weekly phone calls. So this will just be an extension of our weekly phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So if you don't mind sharing with the audience a little bit about your story and your journey that has led you to be exactly where you are right now. 
Yeah, sounds great. Well, a lot of people call me Coach AB, and a lot of that is from my former softball nickname. So in the softball world, if you guys follow, um, I run Fearless Fast Pitch. And for the past eight years, I have been giving pitching lessons. I actually used to umpire. So if you want to throw that hat in the ring, I have literally done everything. I love staying involved in the game. And for the past two years, I have gone head deep into researching mental game performance, mental skills, all things mental game, and really finding that there are tools and techniques techniques that athletes can use to increase their confidence and remove their self-doubt and just crush it and let all of their hard work actually come to fruition. So I'm super pumped to bring these programs to these girls and just see their success unfold for them. I love it. I love it. Like you are, you are up to so many things virtually that I am thoroughly inspired by all of the things you're up to. So I want to talk about the Fearless Warrior program at the a little bit later, but what led you to want to do these type of programs for athletes? I think the biggest thing was a turning moment when I was coaching pitching. Pitching is hard, right? It's one of the toughest positions to play because the spotlight is always on you. The pressure is there. And a lot of pitchers don't make it past middle school. And what does it take to pitch at a higher level? And one of the things that I noticed as a pitching coach was that age in which the girls decided that pitching wasn't for them. And selfishly, I thought, man, there has to be a way that I can equip these girls with something more. What is causing them to want to hang up their cleats, right? So for me, it was more of how can I give back to these girls and finding these resources and unveiling a whole world of opportunity for these girls that division one programs were using and college institutions have an entire staff of performance coaches. We look at the MLB, we look at the NFL and these pro athletes have resources to help them with their mental game. And I thought there's got to be something for our level. And if you can teach it at a fourth grade level, you know your stuff. And so I just started teaching it and it worked. And seeing these parents and seeing these players get so excited when their confidence soars. I mean, that's the greatest feeling, especially when you see their hard work pay off. That's the spark for me. And I haven't looked back since. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that so much because it's so true. My mental game was nothing that I thought about until I had a mental skills coach and that was in college. My sports psychologist, which I actually planned to have him on the podcast here, hopefully in October, crossing my fingers. Awesome. He, cha- he changed my life because, you know, one, I was taking a sports psychology class in college, but when I could combine that with having someone to talk to about my feelings and my thoughts and all the things that I was overwhelmed with, it helped me play with so much more ease and also mm-hmm. confidence, like you said. So I think it is important to tackle this at an earlier age, especially now when we're in the midst of a pandemic. Have you seen mental you know, illness rising, at least on your behalf, or have you seen, and, and that's the thing, people hate calling it mental illness, but seeing maybe a little bit of depression or a little bit of lacking of self-confidence, is that something you've seen grow and at this time, and if it has, what are some things that you're doing to help those athletes? I definitely think that there has been a rise in mental health and even talking about the separation between mental health and mental performance, a mm-hmm. lot overlaps. But when we're looking at these girls and what they're facing, and honestly, all athletes 
there is a whole new level of anxiety and pressure because of, if you look at these girls, their games are broadcast on Game Changer. Everything is tweeted out. Commitments are being tweeted out. We're even tweeting out offers. And when you and I played, that wasn't a thing. And so we look at social media, we look at the pressure, we look at recruiting, we look at just the level of play, you know, and the access to to everything that these girls have. One of the things that we've talked a lot about, even with my team internally, is when you give a player access to everything, they have the best hitting coaches, they have the best pitching coaches, they have strength and conditioning, they have nutritionists, and now we have mental game coaches. If they have every single piece available to them and they still fail, it must mean that something is wrong with them. That is the conclusion that they draw. Mm. And in fact, the answer is just the opposite. And if we can train that and they start to realize, oh, I am not the only one that has these, th- has these thoughts and realizing you can have all the resources in the world, but if you don't have the right pieces together, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You just have to tap into the confidence and it's there. You just have to figure out how to unleash it which is amazing. And it's a flip of a mindset. It's reframing those negative thoughts because everybody has those negative thoughts. When you realize what to do with them is when you find your superpower. Oh, I love that. I love that. And and how do you feel phones are affecting how athletes are feeling about themselves? I know you mentioned social media and posting and things like that, but maybe what's a tip or two that parents and athletes can maybe do to help minimize the amount of anxiety that potentially phones and social media are giving them? I think a separation. I think unplugging would be my first tip. And creating the awareness, I think a lot of parents aren't even aware. I'm not saying that parents have to get TikTok or get Instagram to watch and monitor their daughters. I just need them to be aware that they're constantly being bombarded with messages. And any typical practice, in a two-hour practice, these girls are coming back to 60, 70, 80 notifications and you know, opening your eyes to what is a Snapchat streak and why are they so important? There's pressure within pressure to respond back to these notifications. And so I would say the biggest thing is just understand what it is they're dealing with and give them the structure that they desire. So they may not want you to take their phone away, but if they can tell their friends, hey, my parents took my phone away or my phone is shut off at 10 o'clock, it literally gives them the reprieve that they long for, but they're not willing to set those boundaries with their own friends. Yeah. I think one of the best advices I ever got, and of course it was on a podcast because you know me, I'm a podcast junkie. It was spending the first hour of your day with just you and not your phone is one of the best pieces of medicine you can ever have. Because I- Doesn't that sound amazing? Right, exactly. And my best days, I can probably look back on and say, that's exactly what I did. I started my day without my phone. They say, I think it was like 85% of people, the first thing they see when they wake up is their cell phone. Mm -hmm. And no wonder why we have- you know, we're, we're focused on notifications. We're focused on what am I going to post today? We're focused on all of these things that don't matter in that moment. What matters is you. And so when I've decided to take back my morning and not look at my phone, I mean, I'm still listening to a podcast, but that's different because I, I make sure I don't open up an app. Sure. But when I take away social media for the first hour of my day, it's like, I have control of my day. Not this right. notification or this text or this thing that can be waited till later, can be waited, can be held off till later. 
I now feel like I can own my morning and create before I consume someone else's stuff. Totally. And you feel more empowered when you're doing it. Yet I need to build that routine. So if we can, we can hang out for the first hour of our morning. Maybe we need to have our weekly morning phone call first thing in the morning. We might have to do that. Coffee with me. Oh, let's go. Let's go. And and I wasn't planning on talking about this, but you also having a really close relationship with God, I've realized that spending my morning praying also for at least 20 minutes has really helped me, you know, meditate and think about what I want to do that day and how I want to, mm-hmm. you know, serve others. And so that's helped me a ton too. I would say that's been something pretty transformational for me too, to end my days. So yeah. we can look at all the bad things that happened, but God says, hey, look, this has already worked out for you. And Matthew Matthew is one of my favorite books, but he says, you know, the birds don't toil. The -hmm. flowers don't toil. They don't worry about what they're going to eat for the day. And so for me, it's like, well, what's creating worry? And I know a lot of the girls aren't on Facebook. They're on Instagram. And what are we posting on Instagram? You're posting your highlight reel on Instagram. So when you start comparing your normal life to somebody else's highlight reel, that's comparison and we know what that does. And Mm -hmm. I just, I find myself scrolling Instagram. I find myself scrolling Facebook. And yeah, I I would say that I feel more rested the nights that I plug in and journal and and read my Bible. It's insane, the difference. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned reframing, and I want to go back to that because I know that's a part of your program, your Fearless Warrior Mm -hmm. program. Um, Can you... Maybe give us an example of what reframing is, especially because I know a lot of athletes, they give themselves negative you know, comments or even parents are saying things negative that they don't realize are negative. So give me an example of what reframing is and how we can tackle that as parents and athletes. Uh, I love this question. This is one of the biggest things that I start with, with parents is building that awareness. So for example, one of the questions I get all the time from parents is, well, my daughter is confident. She doesn't have negative thoughts and she's fine. She doesn't, she doesn't need mental training or she does good enough. And one of the biggest things that I will bring to them is I would really encourage your daughter to journal just for a day. And I know how much you love to journal and I know how much you work with your athletes on journaling. Ah, yes. So how can we create the awareness to have your daughter sit down and just do a thought log? And we've even done this in our mental skills challenges. Take a thought log, just like a food log, write down everything in your internal dialogue, not everything that you say in the day, simply the thoughts that you're telling yourself, write them down, whether it's in class, whether it's in the car, whether it's at practice, a lesson, maybe it's a game that day. What are you telling yourself at the end of the day? What are you telling yourself when you wake up and you look at your hair and you brush your teeth and you start your day, right? And you're going to start to notice these repeat mantras, these repeat words. And how can we reframe if we don't know what to reframe? And one of the things that I tell girl athletes especially is back to the phone notifications, right? We're talking about phone notifications. What do you do when you get a notification? You have a choice on what you're doing with it. And so when a negative thought pops up, if you treat it like a phone notification, you actually have a choice. And you can swipe that thought. Or you can open up that notification and you can do something with it. And if you keep swiping a notification away, we all know what happens. Eventually that notification is going to keep popping up. So when we talk about reframing, it's 
having a technique and a tool to do something with that notification so that it doesn't keep popping up and derailing you from your game. I love that analogy. I love that. It, so it relates. They can relate to it. So basically you're saying we should tackle our fears. Yeah. I didn't even mention the fact that I'm wearing your hat today on the, while I'm interviewing you. <laughs> I um, love it. So we haven't really talked about your action. So you're, the company you own is Fearless Fast Pitch. And mm -hmm. I know I asked you this on an Instagram Live that we did a long time ago, but I want to know what was the purpose behind you coming up with the name Fearless Fast Pitch? I love this story. It's so good. It's so, it's just so raw. It gets me really emotional because when we talk about fear, one of the things that I noticed was nobody ever really walks around saying, I want to be fearless or I am fearless. Nobody has that innate response or desire to say that you're fearless. Yet when we're faced with fear, it can freeze us. So when I look at fear and I think about growing up, one of my biggest fears was losing my dad. And I'm sure we all have fears of spiders and tornadoes and all of those things. But if you really get present to your biggest fears, what is the biggest fear that if it came true, it would devastate you. And for me, that was losing my dad. So my dad faced a terminal diagnosis of cancer and my whole world was on a teeter-totter and it could go one of two ways. And I finally realized that I couldn't control my biggest fear coming true. And if I couldn't control it and waste my energy trying to stop cancer in its tracks, because you can't, then what could I do about it? It's what really started me to realize that, gosh, this is so, I, I stumble over my words because I, I know that there are other people struggling with this and cancer affects a lot of people. And I don't take this lightly, but once you realize that your biggest fear has come true, effectively, you have now become fearless. And if my biggest fear came true, come at me world. And what, what can you do to me? What are you going to throw my way that is scarier or worse than losing a parent? And once I realized that, I could be in the moment with my dad. You know, he was ready and he had impacted me and I had said, and I left nothing on the table. And he lived his life in such a way that was honestly fearless and to the fullest. And if I could honor my dad's life and I could honor his soul, that's truly what he lived for. And so for me, I can truly stand here and say, I am fearless. And if I can teach other young women to do that too, it's not about what happens in the chalk lines. It's about what's going to happen to them beyond because life is hard, but we can be fearless. Oh my gosh. Do you see that? My eyes are like You're crying spread. on me. You're going to make me cry. I'm, so so I'm sorry. I just, it, I've been told the story and just every time you tell it, it just... I, I know I know there are people out there that have dealt with something similar to you. And, you know, some of them are younger, some of them are older. But I knew I had to ask that question to you because you have perfected how to attack that, you know, awful, awful experience that's happened to you. But because of it, you have a company that's literally changing the lives of athletes around the country because mm -hmm. of that. So I just think it's so powerful and it's a testament to you and how strong you are that you have built something so special. 
Um, so before I start crying, let's let's move on <laughs> to to something else. But but seriously, you are such a light in this world. And I know you always tell me to shine my light, but you are shining. You're so bright, and it's been so fun being your friend and watching you tackle your fears left and right. Because, you know, as a close friend of yours, I see the behind the scenes that other people don't see. And same Mm -hmm. thing for you. It's just so special to have someone like you in my life that I can kind of turn to with, you know, my fears because you're so strong and you're such a good leader in this game. And man, I'm so happy you're here today. (laughs) I'm so happy too. And I appreciate you sharing this. And I think that's, I think that's what being a light means. I think people don't even realize that in order to shine your light, you have to experience the darkness. And mm-hmm. I think, again, like that goes back to the negativity. And how do you know what confidence feels like if you haven't been on the other side? And how do you know what being a light looks like unless you've been in the darkness? And if we can brighten somebody else's darkness, oh my gosh. And I knew, I just, I knew that there was something about you and it's been so fun to get to know you as well. And growing the game and and being a light for these girls. Like, why wouldn't we wake up every day driven and motivated to grow the game? This is so much fun. Can we just like talk for the next four hours? All the listeners are probably like, uh, please don't do that. We have lives as well. (laughs) So let's get straight to this. So your fearless warrior program is changing lives of athletes across this country. Can you share what the program itself is and why you started it? So one of the things that I've discovered, and we are on round seven of the program coming up, one of the things that I notice in the performance psychology world is there are so many game techniques that we can use to tap into the mental side of the game. And the beautiful part about those is if you prepare them and do them correctly, like visualization and self-talk and routines and focus states, if you can create those in a performer's routine, they're going to perform really well in the game. But what a lot of performance psychologists either don't have time to do or they don't know how to address it is the foundational piece. And so I've broken the program up into three phases. And phase one is called building a warrior. And I come from a faith background and I understand that if your foundation is shaky and the Cleats Come Off podcast is all about building your support system. And so if an athlete doesn't have those in place, nothing else matters. That's what makes the program different is, you know, I think a lot of the times too, parents think that if they take their daughter to a performance psychologist or even a therapist, that that would mean that something's wrong with their daughter. Nothing is wrong with your daughter. You just want to see her succeed. And so the program is all about tapping into a fun vehicle, which is softball. And by the way, these are life skills. And phase one is all about who is your daughter? What is her identity? What is her support system? And who is she as a person first? And then phase two is about game activation skills and what she can do on the softball field and how can she perform in the box and in the circle. And then phase three is about how do we keep that and how do we grow her as a leader and how can she impact others and how do we send her out into the world as a fearless warrior. And it's fun. It's a blast. It doesn't have to be you know, sitting on a, I think people imagine, you know, I have to go sit on a couch with a box of Kleenexes. No, let's have some fun with this. Right. And it's it's a blast. Yes. And so you've been doing, what are your challenges? You've Mm -hmm. been doing them. Whenever you start a new program, you always have these challenges going on. Describe to the audience what these are and how much fun 
these athletes are having on the internet. It's it's so fun to watch and I'm excited to watch more coming up soon. Well, I think the biggest thing is building awareness. And so if I can build awareness with parents and players together, sometimes you'll get dads that say, you know, my daughter doesn't need this or moms that, you know, they want their daughter to focus on these things, but the daughter's saying, mom, stop telling me to smile, you know, <laughs> things like that. And so it's really unifying the parents and the players together and seeing, okay, here's your mental game state. It's kind of like the pretest. We do thought logs and we do challenges. And I really encourage parents and players to think out of the box. And it's fun too, because I didn't say that the parents had to do the challenges, but the parents are doing the challenges. And I've even had coaches competing against other coaches and other teams. And it's just that building block to start building the trust and understanding, okay, if I sign you up for a mental skills program, this is going to be fun. And it doesn't have to be hard. And, you know, we don't have to trudge through the material. It's fun. And that's what the challenges are. And of course, like it's on social media and, you know, it's just a blast. And it's fun to see the breakthroughs that the girls have, even in the free challenge. Yeah. So give us a couple of the challenges you've done so far. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite ones, and I didn't even give the girls ideas. One of my favorite ones was the thought log and they had to find their number one repeating negative belief. And then they had to do something to destroy it. These girls, there was one girl that like literally put hers in a blender with some water and like blended it up. No way. They put it down the garbage disposal. (laughs) A lot of them chose to light it on fire. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to email my lawyer. Right. I got to make sure that my butt's covered on this. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Like some of them would attach it to balls and hit it off the tee. And like, you know, it's just, it's silly and it's, it's fun. And it's like the phone notification, right? Like we're doing something with the negative thoughts, but the biggest thing is showing them that it is possible in that little voice inside their head. That's always saying, I don't know if you can do this or who are you to do this? Literally showing them what's possible. It's a blast. That's so cool. I, I remember telling you earlier before we even started recording how my favorite one was when you had girls take just a piece of paper and fold it in half and like stand it straight up and they had to grab it was with their mouth, I think. Uh-huh. They had to grab yeah. it with their mouth. And I attempted this and I told you how bad my hips are right now. I, cu- I couldn't do it. And then like, yeah. here's me, you know, little old me who has no flexibility anymore, struggling with one of these mental challenges. I am working to be able to do that one day. <laughs> so I'm going to be one of your fearless warriors as soon as I do that. I love it. <laughs> I got to come up with, I need one more challenge. I've, I have four challenges picked out and I'm trying to figure out what Friday's challenge is going to be, but I, there's going to be some, some repeat challenges. I want to bring back some of the girls' favorites, but my husband is laughing because one of the challenges was a penny challenge. They had to stack pennies and see how many they could catch. Oh yeah. I still have pennies all over my garage. That's so. hilarious. I bet you do the penny challenge again. Yeah. Hey, we have, it's we, have all a, good. we have a coin shortage here in the U S so be <laughs> careful with that. <laughs> Pennies. Find your pennies. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. So I'm so excited. How can people that are hopefully interested in this, hearing it, how can they find how to sign up for these, just the challenges or even for the Fearless Warrior Program? How can they find you? Yeah. Great question. Fearlesswarriorprogram.com backslash challenge. And if you happen to be listening to this podcast when we're not in the middle of a fun challenge, you can go to fearlesswarriorprogram.com backslash waitlist. And that's my email list to get everyone informed of when challenges are, when the program enrollments happen. And uh, we drop Dear Warriors every other Friday and just we have fun with it. So fearlesswarriorprogram.com 
Um, and you could do challenge or wait list. So you and I know what Dear Warriors are, but I would love the audience to know what this free, amazing resource is because it, it I forget. Can anybody on your email list receive them? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Dear Warriors are letters. We actually wanted to showcase failures mm-hmm. and make failures more known, right? And if we're talking about it, I wanted to create a platform where athletes could share their stories with other athletes and really peel back the layers and talk about their failures and talk about the gritty things that they've overcome and really just have open and candid conversations on what they would want to tell their younger self. And they have been so good. We've covered it all. Injuries, riding the bench, being a good teammate, getting cut. Like these are just so awesome. Like I would have loved to have these as an athlete just to know that you're not alone. I love that. And you know, what's funny about that is, you know, it's hard to talk about our failures, especially when you're young. Like us, now that we're older, it's easier because we realize that when we talk about our failures, it actually eases us and actually lifts a ton of rocks off our shoulders. But encouraging it, especially for younger ages, is so important. I actually thought about this. So Sarah Blakely, she has her own multi-million dollar company. I don't know if you've heard this, but she said that every night she got home from school or every night that they had dinner at the, at the dinner table, her dad would ask her, what, like, what was one thing you failed at today? And yes. he encouraged her and her siblings to all say one thing that they failed at because he encouraged failure because he knew that when you fail, it's an opportunity to learn from it and actually become better because of it. So I think it's so crucial to do things exactly what, what you're doing is have some of the best come in and say their failures because a lot of athletes feel like they're the only ones that are suffering through this failure of going over four in a tournament. Or, you know, cause, cause that used to be a huge failure for us growing up. And then yeah. I go over 10 or over 12 in college and I'm like, whoa, that <laughs> it gets worse. So that's amazing that you do that. And, and so people can just do that by signing up for your email list, right? They can, yeah. they can see it or can they see it through your website as well? Yeah. I, right now it's just a landing page, but yeah. eventually we'll get it built out. But social media has all the links as well. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite social media platform to be on? Oh, oh my gosh. That's a split between Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's pretty even. My team convinced me to do a TikTok, <laughs> but I let them post TikToks. We, we do some content on TikTok. So that's so legit. There's so many athletes yeah. on there. I mean, yeah. I think that's the most fun platform, but the yeah. one that I, that I enjoy the most is probably just Instagram. Cause you can do so much. You can share stories, you can share drills, whatever. Um, so I have fun on there, but that's awesome. So because I mentioned the 0 for 4 thing, if one of your athletes came up to you and asked you this, hey, I went 0 for 4, my coach put me down in the lineup, I'm struggling, what can I do to help build my confidence? What would you encourage that athlete to do? Awesome question and common, right? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is, what are you telling yourself? And I talk about questions a lot and trying to find the lies and fear is insidious. It likes to hide. Even if you don't feel fearful at the moment, you know, you're not in fear of your life. You went over four nobody's chasing you. You know, the grim reaper is not coming after you, but the body doesn't know the difference. And the more that you can tell your body, I'm okay. This isn't the end of the world. Again, going back to your biggest fear coming true get really present to your thoughts. So if an athlete is saying something like, why can't I, or I'm never going to be a good hitter, 
we can start to flip those. And one of the fastest way we can reframe those questions of why can't I hit, change the why can't I's to how can I? And if we can say, how can I? Now, if I flip it back to you, Ashley, as a hitting guru, what would you say, right? And then it's less about emotions and more about tactical things that we can actually control. That's so good. That's so good. So how can parents help their athletes have these conversations with themselves? Can they help lead those conversations? Should they ask their athlete if they should have those conversations? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ways is as a leader and as a parent and even as a coach, if we can address with questions, questions like, how did that feel? Or, hey, what's, what's going on? Instead of, you went 0 for 4. What's going on? So it's not necessarily what we're saying, it's how we're saying it. And so if you can have a candid conversation with your athlete, really get in tune with what questions is she saying and what what is she telling herself? And you can only get those out of her if you break down those walls and really just say, hey, I want to know what's going on in your head. Then you can start to find those patterns of I'm never or I'm never going to be as good of a hitter as Ashley or why can't I be a better hitter? Or um, maybe it's something like, um, why can't I hit the outside pitch instead of how can I hit the outside pitch? And you can say those exact questions, whether it's in the car ride or at lessons, how can you hit the outside pitch? And then they become the author of their transformation. And, I, and this is a whole nother topic is as parents, We want to fix it for our kids. And as coaches, we want to fix it for them. But I always tell my parents, do not rob them of a transformation. And they will feel so much more empowered when you ask them, how can I or how can you? And they get to come up with a solution is going to be way more powerful and empowering for them to come up with the solution on their own. And if they don't have the solution, they have the resources to ask. Okay, great. You don't know how to hit the outside pitch? Call your hitting coach. And then they still feel like they have a plan to address it. Mm, I loved when you said that they're the author of their transformation. How true is that? Mm -hmm. I think one of the things, at least over here with my company, is what I want to do and try to inspire is have athletes take ownership of themselves. And you're basically telling them, take ownership of your thoughts. Take ownership Mm -hmm. of all of these things coming at you. And so if parents can help encourage their athlete to take ownership of that, and even in the car, say, are you ready to have this conversation? Are you ready to talk about how we can get better at this? And, you know, have them say yes or no. Just tell them it's going to happen sometime. You just tell me when it's going to be and when you're ready to have that conversation. I feel like that could be one of those car ride home conversations that goes so much more productive than this is what you did wrong. This is what you did wrong. Try not to do this anymore. Don't do that. Don't do this. Because the athlete, they know that they screwed up. Mm-hmm. They know. They know that they that you know they didn't get the outcomes they wanted. But if we can help encourage them to at least think about, okay, well, if we struggled, what is it that we can do to get better the next time? That's that's how we can help them. So that's that's exciting. I love that. I love that you mentioned that. So speaking of questions, I want to wrap up today with asking you some questions, which you have no idea what they are. Straight up, no, you have no nervous. idea. Um, you know, I actually have six here, so I have to decide which one I'm going to eliminate, mm-hmm. which is stressful for me because I think they're all really good questions that can help 
bring a lot of value to this conversation. But before I ask you these questions, I want to thank you for being on the show today. This was an absolute blast. I know that you're coming on the show again. I mean, you're one of my best friends, so it's obvious it's going to happen. But I want to encourage those that, you know, if they maybe think that their athlete is mentally strong or is very confident, really look at them in that light and really ask that question. You know, maybe they're confident now, but are you ready for when they're not? And I think Mm -hmm. a testament to your programs, you are seeing people and you're seeing athletes be transformed by the work that you're doing. And I think you're doing such an incredible job. And I'm excited to talk to your your new tribe here in a little bit, but just keep doing what you're doing because sister, you are changing the softball world because the mental game and the mental aspect of the game is bigger than a lot of people think. So I want to thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much, so much of your knowledge with everybody listening. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. This was awesome. I can't believe we're done. That's that went so fast. Well, we're not done yet. I still got my questions to ask you. I'm, re- I'm nervous. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. 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 So I call these these five to thrive. So try to cut these answers down within one to two sentences or one to two words, whatever floats your boat, just say what's on your mind and let's go from there. Got it? Okay. Okay. Question number one, what's your favorite thing about being a coach? The athletes. Well, that was fast. (laughs) Good answer. All right. What's one thing you could tell your 10 year old self? Stop worrying so much about what you wear. (laughs) (laughs) That is so good. Cause I struggled with that. So I still sometimes struggle with it. Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. That's, I would, I never thought that that would be something I would want to tell myself, but dude, I probably spent hours trying to figure out outfits. That's an amazing answer. Okay. Who was your biggest role model growing up? Jenny Finch. Mm. Easily. I had a feeling because when I look at your posts on Facebook, there's a lot of Jenny Finch stuff, but I love it. I actually had a Jenny Finch windmill growing up. Yeah. She's the queen. Yeah. She's the queen. Great answer. What is your favorite sports quote? Yogiism. It's got to be a yogiism. The game is 90% mental. (laughs) Heck yes. Actually, because I have Mind Gym right here, I think the whole book starts with a a Yogi Berra quote. And I'm literally on the spot bringing this out right now. 90% of the game is half mental is the first quote in Mind Gym. Good one. Snaps. Okay. What does having a mental edge mean to you? Knowing that you have control of your thoughts and not over you. I love that. Okay, final question. How do you want your athletes to remember you? A God-fearing woman that wasn't afraid to be corny. <laughs> You're my spirit animal. I <laughs> I am so grateful to have had you on the when the cleats come off podcast. This was an absolute blast. I can't wait to share this with the world and have people be inspired by your words, inspired by your programs. One final thing, I know you shared it before, but let's say it again. Where can people find you on social media so they can continue to follow you? Yeah, all of the handles are fearless fast pitch and follow the journey. Uh, I love you, girl. Thank you so much for being on today. This was an absolute blast. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. So there you have it. 
Another episode of When the Cleats Come Off is completed. And if you loved it, I would love if you shared this with your softball community. The only way this game grows is if we have people like you that are eager to learn more and are eager to also share that new knowledge with other people. So if this episode really brought somebody that you know into fruition in your brain and you know that they can learn from this conversation, I would love it if you shared it with them because the more people that can learn from this type of conversation, I think the better the game of softball gets. And who knows, maybe this will be shared with other people in other sports because I truly believe some of these conversations, they don't just hit the game of softball, they hit all sports. And if there are people that come to your brain, I would love more than anything if you shared it. If you do share it, make sure you tag me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever social platform you hang out on. I would love to see that you're sharing this and I would love to see some of your favorite parts. If you do share it, make sure to tag me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Guys, I'm even on TikTok, Ashley B Training, and at Smashly underscore four is where you can find me. And make sure you tell me which part was your favorite. I want to know what resonated with you so that I can create more content like that for you to share with your softball community. I can't wait to share another episode with you. Same time, same place next week. See you later. Hey, podcast listeners, just checking in to ask you if you knew that ABT had our own online store. We just launched it a couple weeks ago and man, oh man, has it been fun fulfilling orders. Some people have been buying bracelets with empowering messages on them. Our new comfy long sleeve tee that says on the back, you're not like everyone else and we're not here to fit a mold and so many other things from hats to other tees and scrunchies and things that'll just help you feel empowered when you wear them. So if you're interested in wearing some of our swag, go to the show notes and click on the link to go check out our online store. I'm so excited to fill your next order.